Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Foray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Take 6,347. Welcome to this week's episode of Racers and Rental Cars Podcast, episode number two out here on the beautiful world of the YouTube platform. This week, you don't just get to hear me. You're going to want to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to have some rants. Uh, We're... I'm still chipped up. I can't believe this guy is still out here in the social media world and gets away with what he gets away with. But we're hey, no, nonetheless, it's my show. And as uh, Reinhardt says, I got the microphone. So if you don't want to listen, turn the channel. But nonetheless, we are going to dive right off in. We've got a wonderful guest this week in the very popular and famous writer, podcaster, and all things NASCAR, but I think she may also be a closet NHRA fan. She just got to watch how she says it. You know, got to get paid, right? The world, we got to get paid. But that is Miss, soon to be Mrs. Kelly Crandall. She's going to stop by. She's the lead writer, NASCAR for racer.com and the Racers podcast. And oh, yeah, you might have heard she co authored some book. I don't know what it is. Uh, we'll dive off into that. And if you're out there and you're like me and you travel the country, you have heard her on Sirius XM NASCAR radio as she has a revolving seat in that. But before we kick off with Kelly, Once again, stick around to the end of the show. We're going to talk about NHRA, Vegas, four wise, all of the nonsense and keyboard warriors and everybody that's running that freaking jaw out there in the world of social media. Uh, And oh, yeah, I don't know. There was some big to do about um, Tony, um, not Schumacher, uh, not Pendergon. Oh, Tony Stewart picked up an NHRA Wally and top alcohol dragster driving for the McPhillips family in a fuel dragster. That was awesome. If you haven't seen the ice bath for Tony and the setup by the crew, I challenge you to go out there and find it. Check out their social media. That was pretty funny uh, to see Tony get the ice bath, which goes along with picking up your first Wally. Absolutely. We're going to talk about NASCARs, a little bit of media, a little bit of ratings, What's wrong with the ratings? Something about some kid named Elliot came back this week, but we're going to save all of that for Kelly Crandall, and let's get her in here right now. Kelly, are you there? Boom, just like that. There you go. Nice. And look at now, so just so we tell everybody, right, like we legitimately – are trying this for like the 6,347th time as you and I carried on for about two hours yesterday until somebody realized it wasn't recording. It was a really good conversation too. That's the disappointing part. So we'll, I'll try to bring it again, but we'll see. the, The energy level that it takes for us to carry on conversations when we're both passionate people about the world of motorsports is not hard, but 
it's very deflating when you realize that the conversation that you were so energized about was not recorded because somebody forgot to double check why they're talking. Yeah. I'm t- I was, I was really disappointed for you because it was a, like I said, it was a really good conversation. And sometimes you can only get that once out of somebody. And as a fellow podcaster, it is my worst nightmare that the recording either doesn't work or is messed up in some way and compromised, or you just don't hit the button at all. So, oh, it was the uh, worst. Like helium being let out of a balloon, but we're going to try to bring it again. Thank you very much. You are a repeat guest to the Racers and Rental Cars podcast as Cam and I brought you in a few years back because somebody wrote an article about her first time going to the drag race in Bristol. And I'm like, what? How can this be a motorsports writer going to their first NHRA race? And we had to have you on. So not that your boss is listening or anything. No, I mean, it's okay for you to come clean out here on the podcast, Racers and Rental Cars. Nobody listens to my show anyway. And let everybody know that you truly are deep down inside an NHRA drag racing fan. Absolutely. So listen, I have known drag racing for a long, long time. I grew up where where my parents still live in New Jersey is not that far from English Town Raceway Park or what was English Town Raceway Park before somebody got a hair across their ass and decided they were going to turn into a drift track or figure eight or whatever the hell it is. Um, I grew up and I, with the windows open or in my backyard as a kid, I could hear the cars at English Town Raceway Park when NHRA was in town. So I know the names. I know the John Forces. I know the Shirley Muldowney. I know the Pedragon and on and on down the line. So I've always known drag racing. I just never paid attention to it. It wasn't what I was into. I have lived in a NASCAR bubble my entire life until 2019 when I got the opportunity to go hang out with the Coletta team. And then like any race fan, once you get them to the racetrack, you sucker them in. And that was all it took. So now it's NASCAR and NHRA, and I have the best of both worlds. Well, we are very grateful to have you chime in. You, you, you'll make those little Twitter posts from time to time. And I, and it's nice to get the comments. You know, I appreciate I, I shared with Courtney at Flow that, you know, it was nice that you complimented on what we were doing earlier on in the year with World Series of Pro Mod and, and so forth and lights out. So that's always nice because, again, doing the motorsports media thing, I don't know what it is. It's It's not as big as the professional NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, even the college basketball fanatic fans that are out there on Twitter, right? Like they're just massive. You really have to like start blocking people. Motorsports media for the most part is not horrible. So you you get wait, 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 wait. What do you mean by horrible, Don? Because we might, uh, we're about to go off on a whole separate conversation than what you, than what you might mean. Well, well, it's just, if you listen to people sometimes, it's like, it feels like, and again, 140 characters or less, it feels like they have good intentions, 
And then there's just some of them that are yelling out, Ma, bring me the meatloaf. And they're just that guy in the, eating Cheetos in the basement. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it just, it just is. I mean, there's just some. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough that I, you know, I took a little bit of, you know, heat here and there because, you know, I may or may not have let out a swear word on live TV on flow, uh, you know, streaming there one, one night when I didn't get the interview in time before the cars did the burnout. And so I, you know, I may or may not have done that. Okay. I haven't seen the actual footage, but I've been told, but like for you, you're out there and I know you've taken your punches from some of these people. I've seen you post on Twitter. What is it that you feel like the disconnect, or do you just feel like Man, these people hate themselves. You could give them a hundred bucks and they complain because you didn't give them 150. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I, I think that's part of it, right? Is um I could say the sky is blue and there's gonna be somebody that's gonna argue and tell me that I'm an effing idiot and it's it's gray, right? Or it's orange. Um, I think it's the same thing with drivers is drivers, you know, I, I always make the analogy. Kyle Bush could say that he loves, you know, babies, kittens and bunny seals. And there's going to be people that say, well, does that mean you don't like rabbits? And, you know, right? there's always going to be people who find problems with it. I think it's a few things as to why I get the reaction that I get. First off, let's just call it like it is. I'm a female, right? I'm a female in a male dominated sport. People don't like the fact that females know what they're talking about when it comes to sports, because listen, it's not just me. I mean, I follow a lot of female journalists from other sports and they get the same thing because we're women and they, people don't like women talking about sports. They just don't. Right. That's part of it. Um, people don't like the fact that we know what we're talking about either. That really pisses them off. Um, I think another part of it, Don, is, and I'm guilty of this too, with fan reaction sometimes, is it's very easy to take something the wrong way through text. So when you read something on Twitter and all you're, you're, you're reading it, you're not hearing someone's voice, you're not hearing their tone it's very easy to jump to conclusions as to a what that person meant or what that person is like. And I feel like for me I have fallen into this category where people judge me by what they 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 think they know me by what they see on Twitter. Right? And and again, I've done the same thing because there's people I've come across in the media center, there's fans that I've come across that judging by Twitter, I'm like, you're kind of an asshole. <laughs> right. And then you meet them in person and you're like, I had that one wrong. Right. So I think, I think that, I think it's a few things. I think again, it's, it's largely being a female and a male dominated sport. And I, I think it's just reading things wrong on Twitter. You, you jump to conclusions. You think, you know what somebody meant. Um, there's a lot of accusations about being a shill and not being critical and I, I think that's just social media though. I feel, I feel like there's a portion of social media that if you're not on there every day, criticizing someone or criticizing the sanctioning body or criticizing a driver, whatever it may be, then you're just, you're a shill because you're not on there constantly tearing someone down. So 
it's kind of a long-winded answer, but I think it's a few things. I, I, I don't know. It's on one hand, I want to say it's social media, but I also really, really hate that excuse because I don't think people should be shitty just to be shitty. Well, I think there's people that wake up in the morning and they hate themselves because they woke up. I mean, so, it, you know, what's really funny is I had this exact conversation on my podcast with Rutledge Wood, who works for NBC. <laughs> he also does a, you know, he has a show on Netflix. He has a show. I mean, he does so much, right? Everybody knows Rutledge Wood. We were having this conversation because I asked him if being on TV has helped him develop a thick skin for social media and anything else in the world, right? Because when you're on TV, I mean, you're you're prime pickings for criticizing, right? Oh, and yes, very much Rut so. <laughs> Rutledge said something to me that I posted on my Instagram because I wanted to keep it handy so I can always look back to it. And he said, and I'm going to get it, you know, I'm not going to get it word for word here. But basically what he said is, is like social media is like your high school lunchroom, right? You're going to walk in there and people are just going to be mad and hate you to hate you. And they're going to make fun of you because they can make fun of you. Like you have to understand that they don't know you and they're just doing it to do it. And you just have to be okay with yourself. So again, I'm kind of paraphrasing that, but it was, it was basically like, we all remember what it was like to be in school, right? We all remember oh, what it was like to walk into, into a lunchroom or an auditorium and there's just people looking and judging. That's what just, that's just what people do. So again, I don't think it's necessarily an excuse. I don't like to let people be shitty people, but I think it's the reason. Well, well, okay. So let's go off in that direction because one, <laughs> I totally get it. Let's, let's circle around to the fact we, we jumped right in because of our conversation yesterday, but folks, listeners, if you haven't heard the first time that Kelly was on with us, please go back. It's in the archives. You'll totally enjoy it at that point, because we really did talk about a lot of the differences from the NHRA NASCAR and so forth, but moving forward, in this interview and you being part of the show, let's talk about your climb, if you will. Right. Like, so I, I led into it a little bit. You're, you're the, one of the lead writers for racer.com for, for NASCAR, for motorsports. You have your own podcast and, oh yeah, you co-authored a NASCAR book for historical reference moving forward into the future. I mean, that's some big shit on a resume right there. <laughs> yeah, it's just a few things that I've done. <laughs> I I mean, like you're you're on the sheet, right? Like you are. And and so I think that that's funny when I sit here and we're having the conversation about the fact you being a female in motorsports, where like for me in the NHRA Media Center, there's only a few males right? Like there's Bobby and there's Elon, but everybody else is a female. And for the most part, they all grew up in the sport. And when I look over into the NASCAR side of things, a lot of the successful females that are over there, oh, I don't know, one named Kelly Earnhardt, maybe, like they grew up family ties in the sport. They were, they were hooked to it. 
at from from a very young spot. But you give the kind of sense when we're talking about social media and people characterizing you or judging you or criticizing you, and you're you're making it sound like you don't have like the ultimate. You're jumping up and down on a trampoline because you're a badass kind of confidence level. <laughs> what's what's going on over there? Oh man, confident confidence is a tough thing to talk about. So. I am guilty. I read a lot. Well, not a lot. I read every comment on Twitter and that's, that does not help at all because for every five good comments you have, there's going to be the one really terrible one and it ruins my day. It just, it does. My, my mindset, my facial expression, my body language, my attitude, everything changes the minute I read that comment and it screws me up for the rest of the day or however many days because that one comment gets under my skin and I'm not talking about comments where people don't like what you wrote or they don't like the driver you're talking about or you know they disagree on um your opinion if I if I write an opinion piece it's the comments that make it personal it's the comments that say you don't know what you're talking about it's the comments that say you're a shill. It's the comments that say you'll never criticize drivers because you're trying to make a living off of them. Um, it's comments about um, I don't think they're watching this so that hopefully, you know, hopefully nobody knows in particular who I'm talking about, but it's the comments that I get about how I should do cocaine to lose weight. It's the comments that I get about my appearance oh, and my God. smile and why I don't smile and uh, what I look like. And it's, again, it's the comments that make it personal. When, when you start, when you're trying to have a legitimate conversation with someone and explain to them what happened in a race or why NASCAR made a decision that they made, and they don't like what you're saying. So then they call you an idiot. Mm -hmm. It's like, why do you have to get personal? It's it's those comments. And trust me, those are the tamer oh. comments, right? Yeah, no. so, yeah. so that doesn't help. I let that ruin my day. And I let that get to me, bringing this back to you talking about confidence. I do. I let it get to me. I let people's opinions of me bring me down mm. and I think though that it goes to a deeper issue which is I just I have always struggled with my self-confidence always since I've been a kid I am very introverted believe it or not I'm very shy I keep a certain my circle small um I don't do well in crowds I don't you know, I just, I, I would rather be the person in the corner of the room in the back hiding. I don't want people to know I'm there. So I'm just that person. I just try to keep to myself. And when you're in this world where people are reading your stories and listening to your podcast, you're opening yourself up for people are going to tell you what they think, right? So when you're somebody who struggles with self-confidence and never thinking that you're good enough, I'm 33 years old. I'm a two-time national motorsports 
writer of the year. I have a podcast. I have interviewed people from Jimmy Johnson to Tony Stewart to Richard Petty to um, John Force and Erica Enders and Shirley Muldowney, right? Like I have done these things. I have voted on the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I've now co-authored a book, right? I could go on and on and on. And there are still times that I sit here and say to myself, I haven't done shit. I haven't accomplished anything. I don't fit in. So again, another long-winded question, because for me, at least, like there's a few branches of this confidence tree (laughs) and I already struggle with it. So now when I have all of these um, insults and all of these things coming my way, like it can, it, it, it screws me up. It really, really does. I don't even know if that answered what your question was. Well, no, and it, and it does because, you know, and because I would tell you, so I had never heard you on Sirius XM up until after we had you on the podcast and I, you know, and then I caught you. Right. So we had you on the podcast and there was not a sense, if you will, of lack of confidence or uncertainty about yourself when your answers and so forth are knowledge based. So, you know, obviously that did not come through. And then it definitely didn't come through listening to you on your podcast and then listening to you on XM or I'm sorry, that's how old I am. It was XM, Sirius XM on NASCAR radio. So then to like, listen to some of not your Instagram reels, but rather read some of your Instagram posts or your Twitter posts on some of these clowns, as I give the air quotes to people that are listening and not watching on YouTube. It's, I get it. I really do. Like, I understand that piece of trying to find the, the piece, right? Like you've got the intellect, like you have, you have the knowledge, right? You like, you, yeah. you have the intelligence piece of it. Right. And so it's the communication piece. You got that. It's just being able to have dumbasses just make comments that, you know, you're just like, I mean, I hate to say it, but I love Brett Griffith, but block, block, <laughs> block. I mean, I'd have nobody left on Twitter if I just blocked everybody. But at the same point, yeah. like I get it because doing the flow deal. Like, I'm thinking, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And then the first time I'm like, man, you suck. Like, that was horrific. And everybody's like, oh, no, no, you'll get it. You'll get it. And I'm going, oh, my God, that was horrible. Somebody hit me with a truck in the staging lanes, please. Um, But then you get it and you get this sense to you. You're like, you know what? You look around and go, wait a minute. The list ain't real long of qualified individuals that can do this. I would think for you sitting in the media center at NASCAR, looking around and seeing Adam Stern, Bob Pockeris, and you're sitting there amongst your peers, that that mentally and that picture in your mind would be all someone like you would need to go down the shit, F you people on Twitter in your comments, go to 7-Eleven and get a big gulp and bring it back to me. Oh. Uh. It's again, it's really, really hard because there's times where I know I'm like you, you just said, like, you know, you're good, right? Like, you know, that you know what you're talking about. And I, and I tell other people this when I'm trying to help them, right? I say the same thing. It's like, you know what you're talking about. You know what you're doing. You know, the sport, just do your thing. 
And I know I'm the same way. And you talk about when I'm on Sirius or when I'm in the media center, I, there are days and weekends where, yes, I sit there and I'm like, I do belong here. I know what I'm doing. I know I'm very good at what I do. But then there's two things that happened on one of them is whether it's a criticism on Twitter or it's something that throws me on Sirius XM. Somebody asks a question that I don't know. And like I said, when you struggle with self-confidence, all it takes is that one thing. And you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And I just spiral and I just I spiral to the far extreme of suddenly not thinking I'm good enough and suddenly not thinking I fit in. Right. The second part of that is. I fear. That if I. Let myself think too much about how good I am that I will become an asshole. Ah. I, 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 I fear, I fear, I don't know. If, I I... Get, <laughs> I fear if I get too confident that the humbleness and the gratefulness and the humility, like all of that will go away. I, I, I fear that if I get too big for myself, that I, I'm going to change. And I've had friends who, they assure me they will never let that happen because they like you, they say the same thing. They're like, no, you're good. You need to remind yourself you're good and you're here. And again, I just, I, so that's the, that's the twofold. There is one, there's always going to be something that's going to knock you back down. But two, I really do fear becoming just someone that if I walk around, like my shit don't stink that everybody's going to look at, like she needs to be knocked down a pig, right? I don't want that to happen. I don't think that will, I don't think that'll happen, but I would tell you also at the same point, like, you know, you, when we put ourselves out here, right. We, we do. And, and I know li the listeners know, I mean, I, I, I believe I've probably shared with you in the past, the podcast for me is therapeutic, right? Like it's an opportunity to provide perspective or insight or, or, or you know, support or, uh, you know, a lifeline to someone to say, look, you're not the only one going through this. You're not the only one trying to understand or figure out. And so like your voice, when you're writing or you're talking on a podcast or on XM or Sirius XM, oh my God. Uh, it should be the whole entire goal is to deliver a message to reach people. Like you're, are you going to reach everybody? No, like, I, I mean, my God, I think I've told you this before. I say it all the time. Sometimes I have to tell people they're not allowed to print it. But when I get to heaven, I firmly believe I'm going there. My guidance counselor owes me an apology, just hands down, period. She owes me an apology. <laughs> Once I get inside the gate, she owes me an apology because she didn't have a whole lot of faith in that's the right. kid that walked out of Lewisburg High School you in 1991. That's right. Right, you right. That you know? And so, but for you to sit back and not just continue to go forward. And, and I always, and we'll talk, I'm definitely going to talk about it at the end of the show with, with Langdon and, and everything that went on in Vegas. You have the social media keyboard warriors that are out there that, you know, they're so quick to point out you might've made a mistake. Ugh. And it's like, and it's like, I want to go, well, what do you do? Like, because unless you're a brain surgeon, where making a mistake would really, really, really be bad. 
dude, you've never made a mistake. Shut yeah. the f up. I it's don't like have people time forget for this. that. It's like people forget that everyone's human, right? Oh, it's yeah, a, for I, sure. I, don't, I don't understand the, this whole Twitter thing where it's like just because you're a a professional athlete or a professional writer or a professional this that and the other thing that that means that you can't make a mistake that you can't be human. Like, what the hell is that crap, right? Yeah, um, no. I, yeah, I get that too. It's like the minute you spelled something wrong, the minute you say something oh, wrong, the minute you mix up a rule in the rule book, oh, God, they're all so, over you. So I got a couple perspectives that that I share with people from time to time, and my sister's got one that I, I really started to enjoy kind of shorten up mine. My three are, are you being shot at? Are you bleeding? Or are you dying? If the answer is no to all three of those, I promise you we can work this out. It's not that big a deal. My sister's favorite one is they can't eat you and they can't take your birthday. And both sets of perspectives are completely true. They are. Yeah. So it just. One of the things I, I. One of the things I try to remind myself of is. And I do this a lot with people in the media center, even not just not just people on Twitter, but even people in the industry is try to remind myself, do not accept criticism from someone you would never go to for advice. Ooh. <laughs> which Man, is not only perfect. Just got Twitter, really short. <laughs> which is it's it's not only a good piece of advice for social media. But there's also times for people in your life like that, too. So absolutely good. Good bit of advice. All right. Well, we've we've gotten through some pleasantries here and a little bit of insight and perspective. Let's dive off. And I mean, freaking head first. There's no water in the damn pool. What in the wide world of sports is going on with NASCAR? I, I, I just 2023. We're I mean, we got headlines seem to revolve around everything about huh, charters, TV rights, no charters, charter values. Chase came back. This driver got a promo cut. This driver didn't get a promo cut. Uh, the the cars suck. Uh, I TV ratings are down. Um, Wait a minute. What was the other one that I heard uh, yesterday evening? Um, uh, we, we, we just we need to flip flop and take the NASCAR cars and send them to the Xfinity and bring the Xfinity cars up to NASCAR and don't change anything. Uh, I, I mean, Kelly, you're over there. I don't know how you pick what you're right about on a weekly basis because the list is long of what's going on out there that anything is like a strike a match and throw it over there, set it on fire. No pun after Saturday in Martinsville, but nonetheless, uh, I, I mean, come on, let's go. We're what eight races in give us, give us some insight here to our folks that are, might be the closet NASCAR fans like myself. Oh my, well, I don't know where to start. I mean, you threw a lot out there. So, so where do you want to start? What's, Ron? what's number one thing for you right now? What, what do you got that you, that's really piqued your interest that you're kind of focusing on that maybe you haven't put an article out there yet, but you, you're just kind of 
hiding and waiting for? Well, I wouldn't say hiding and waiting, but I think that the there's two things from what you mentioned, which is the car. There's a continued conversation around this car and what it is and isn't doing. And when you come off a race like Martinsville that wasn't very good, at least for some folks, I mean, some people enjoyed it, right? I mean, Martinsville has always been a tough racetrack, but Martinsville also has the reputation of causing a lot of mayhem. And there hasn't been mayhem the last couple of years, so people have been unhappy. So anyway. Um, yeah, Martinsville hasn't been as good as it could be. So there's the continued conversation around this car. I think it's absolutely insane that we are, I say we, like I'm a driver, uh, that drivers are shifting at Martins at Martinsville, a half mile. They're shifting at Martinsville. Like, it's stupid. Like, I'm not an engineer and I'm not a driver, obviously, but that doesn't add up to me. So shifting with this race car, the aero package on this race car, short tracks and road courses have not been that entertaining, which is pretty hilarious considering that this car is basically a sports car. You would think it'd be good on, on road courses and it hasn't been. Uh, NASCAR somehow wound up with a race car that has exceeded expectations on mile and a half racetracks which for years that was always the criticism is that mile and a half gets strung out nobody's doing anything it's not entertaining and I don't know about anybody else but I thought last year the mile and a half racetracks were some of the best racing that we've had and the driver said the same thing that mile and a half the intermediates have come uh, a, a long way with this race car whereas we have screwed up short tracks and road courses. So the car contain every weekend the car is a topic of conversation. Is this aero package and wanting changes and wanting more horsepower, which I'm going to stop you right there is not going to happen. Uh we're not getting more horsepower anytime soon. But yeah, shifting and just passing and the and the tires and just how can we make this race car be better? You've got to make the on track product good and just hasn't been good with some of these races so that's the first thing is I can't escape that every week because it's a it's again the drivers are talking about it the drivers are tweeting about it drivers are talking about it on podcasts on Sirius XM the car and the racing so that's the first thing the second thing I guess would be I mean let's get to it right you, you talk about ratings and you talk about TV so NASCAR is in the midst of getting ready mm. or they, they probably are already negotiating this next media rights package and what that's going to look like. I think NBC sports is not going to go anywhere. They just came back 2015, I believe it was um, around that time. So I can't see them going anywhere. They have a lot of sports properties. They have a lot of motorsports properties and they have a streaming aspect to their coverage. I think that's going to be a part of this next television package. Um, I don't expect Fox Sports to go anywhere. Who knows? Things could change. I will say, I think with the TV packages, there's there's a lot of money at play, Don. And I think for NASCAR, that's a good thing because every TV package that they've had, every media rights deal that they've had every year has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're talking about B 
with a billion. We're talking billions of dollars mm, of what they're getting assuredly. from all of these these networks. So it's really, really interesting. They're trying to work through that and what it's going to look like. TV runs the world. TV sets the start times. TV, listen, if TV, if they're coming in here and spending the amount of money they're spending, NASCAR says, you know what? You tell us, what do you want to do? Do you want, to, you want to run uh, a race in Chicago? We will close down some streets and 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 run a race in Chicago. You want us to build a, a, a racetrack in a football stadium? We're going to build a racetrack in a football stadium. Um, <laughs> so uh, hold on to that. Cause we're going to get back there. I promise you. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I could keep talking in circles, no pun intended, but TV, the TV runs the world and there's going to be a lot of money at play. And the only question to be answered is what streaming comes into play because the TV, the new TV deal would start in 2025. And I don't think NASCAR can live in a world anymore where they don't have some streaming component to their coverage. So I expect that in some way to be a part of this next deal. I totally, again, I, I am in total agreement with you, right? Like I, I am at the mindset as a marketing and advertising person and also on the motorsport side that the streaming piece of it adds to the ability to sell sponsorship deals because you when when someone signs up for a streaming service they are grabbing all of that demographic data and mm -hmm. and if you don't think that that doesn't have value when you talk to Procter and Gamble or Toyota or or whomever it is you know Apple yeah, it, it it doesn't matter. Those that concrete data of having a captive audience that purchased, and that's the thing about the streaming side, right? Like, I think it's funny that there's apps out there that you can that you look download onto your phone to let you know to cancel this service because you haven't used it in sixty days. But then fast forward sixty days after you canceled it, and holy shit, you needed you needed the damn service, right? So I, I think that's the captive piece of it, that when you pay for those services and you're spending the money, you'll use them in some way, shape or form. You will you will figure out how to use them um, because you're spending money. And so I believe from the marketing side it, that that streaming piece of the pie has to be significant moving forward in today's age where everything is based off of our handheld devices. You know, I'm holding my iPhone up for those that are listening and I'm sitting in front of a Mac. So I, I, I get it, right? Um, I, I think the, I love the fact that the NASCAR teams, air quotes, the executives have come together and feel like in a way that they're holding hands moving into these charter negotiations and the pieces of the quote unquote pie to mm -hmm. split up. But I also kind of cross my arms and rock back in my chair and go, what happens when they decide 
NASCAR says, nah, our stadium, our ball, this is what we're doing. What's going to happen then? I don't know. And I, and I don't, I don't think about it, Don, because I don't think it's going to come to that. I don't think it's going to come to that because NASCAR is in its 75th year. And, right? and it's gotten this far. Now, listen, I, there's going to be a lot of hurt feelings along the way. There's a lot of hurt feelings already. There's a lot of tough conversations happening. These teams want more money of the financial pie of this next media rights deal. And okay, yeah, maybe they deserve that. Again, I, I'm not going to sit here and say either way who who deserves it, right? The, the, first off, that's not my area of expertise. And second of all, right. I don't run a race team. But I will say this, when Jeff Gordon is saying that Hendrick Motorsports, who is one of the winningest teams in NASCAR, has how many championships and has been around for decades. When Jeff Gordon is saying that Hendrick Motorsports does not make a profit every year, something's wrong with that. When, When Dave Alpern of Joe Gibbs Racing is saying that race teams are nothing but full-time fundraisers. Yes. That seems like a problem. So again, I'm not going to take sides here of who's right or who's wrong. (laughs) I think, I do think the pie could probably be split a little differently, just of my limited understanding of how all of this works. Um, Curtis Polk, who is Michael Jordan's, Long time partner. Uh, Just call him the man. Curtis Polk is is a boss. Um, When Curtis Polk says that they've done kind of a breakdown of, of where the value of the sport lies and the value of the sport <laughs> lies with the race team, like, which is, you know, I think it was less than, I don't have my notes in front of me. I should have pulled up that article, but it's, I think it was less than 20%, less than 20%, according to Curtis Polk of the the value of the sport resides with the race teams. Your race teams and your race car drivers are the stars. So a lot of money is going to these racetracks. A lot of money is going to, uh, NASCAR, obviously the TV deal and and how all of that works. And again, I am I'm learning as much as everybody else as more of this comes out. But it does seem like there's a little bit of a breakdown here of what is happening with this money. So, yeah, race teams are pretty uh, pretty bonded right now with this, this common goal of, of trying to make this happen. And, and I, and listen, some of the names that I just dropped, um, if I'm going into battle, you know, I want those guys to be the ones that are sitting at the table negotiating. So, um, and those are just some of them. Well, and I, so, so strategy, right? The military person in me says, okay, 
we're negotiating a TV deal and I'm NASCAR. Now, I don't have anything to put on the racetrack for a TV deal unless I have race teams. Mm -hmm. And at this moment, they're not happy with me, me being NASCAR, which means I have to be very cautious with my media deal because what if I can't deliver? I really need to get the baby in the bathtub with actual water in the bathtub, not just throw the baby in there with no water and the baby gets hurt. I, yeah. Like, I know that's a really like far-fetched analogy, but it, that's how it feels. And right now we have other professional sports that are negotiating their media rights deals. Right. And so a couple of weeks ago when I realized that NBA was doing theirs and I'm like, Oh, okay. They're, they're out there shopping. I, I, I just don't see, I don't understand yet why here it is. Like you said, it, the media deal is coming to an end. If you fast forward just from this point, 18 months, the media deal ends. And most media deals get announced a year out. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I just... It makes me nervous because a lot of these teams, when you hear, and I mean, Denny Hamlin's one of them, you know, and they're talking about the fact of these values and we're, we're kind of at a stopping point. We're going to hold because we don't know what we're going to have moving forward. I mean, I think he even made comment like they'd slowed the process on building their new shop facility because they weren't real sure yet in the charter deals. I mean, like teams are kind of, we're, we're, you know, in the army, we say pull pitch and hover. We're just, we're just hovering right here. We're not moving anywhere. We're just kind of hovering. Um, I'm very, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens. I, I mean, just, but you got some big dogs that are pound, you know, swinging and NASCAR saying the teams boycotted a meeting and the teams are saying, no, we well, just all, all agreed right. we weren't going. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, let, me, I mean, <laughs> let me, let me, let me set the record straight on that. That, that truly did. NASCAR and the teams both agree that got blown out of proportion because what happens is one person starts talking and then the word boycott gets thrown around and then social media goes crazy. Um, What's well, a good word. Come it on, is a good a, word, but that's it, a strong word. It is, but it's not an accurate word in this situation. So what happens is NASCAR and the rate and the race teams meet regularly to talk, to talk business in general, right? They were supposed to meet for this meeting. Um, the race teams, before they go into their meetings with NASCAR, also have a meeting amongst themselves. From what I understand, it was during this meeting that uh, those representing the race team, the race negotiation team, which is, as I just said, some of those being Jeff Gordon, Dave Alpern, Curtis Polk, uh, Steve Newmark from Roush Fenway. There's, there's a group of them that they are the race ne team negotiation committee or whatever it's called. They're the ones that are sitting at that table with NASCAR trying to make this piece of the pie happen for race teams. And from what I understand, when the race teams had their conversation, it became clear that if they were to go into this meeting with NASCAR, that meeting was going to get hijacked with a conversation on something completely different than what they wanted to talk about. The race teams want to talk about charters. They wanted to talk about, again, the media rights deal and so on. And 
there was just this indication that that was not going to happen in this meeting with NASCAR. So the race teams reached out and said, we're not going to show up because we don't think we're going to accomplish what we want to accomplish. You know, we're just, we're not going to come. We're just not going to have a meeting. NASCAR said, okay, well, we're going to have our meeting on our end. And you know, it is what it is. Well, somebody opened their mouths and told somebody. And the next thing you know, it's on Twitter. And then it blows up into this they decided they weren't showing up and left NASCAR sitting at the table by themselves. <laughs> um, Which I think's great. <laughs> you know, listen, it is great. It's it's funny to think about, but again, it's it's not exactly what happened. There was no boycott. NASCAR knew they weren't coming. The teams told them they weren't coming. NASCAR went ahead and had their meeting and everybody's fine. So, or at least that's what I was told by my sources. So there was no hard feelings. They just knew that they weren't going to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. At least in that well, meeting. And- so now they'll well, try again. Well, and and I would think, again, I'm just a simple-minded kid from North Carolina, that future business right now is priority number one. Like there's it it like you said, we're not getting horsepower. You can change whatever you want, and your single source vendors are gonna have to readjust. And so, I mean, you're whatever it is that you're having these meetings about. If I'm a race team owner, names that you've mentioned, I I'm, I want to talk future. I already know what 2023 holds. We've yeah. already budgeted out. We we know what we got, right? You're going to the dance with the girl that you asked. Well, come the end of 23, I want to know if I need to go ask another girl. And, and I mean, what are we doing? And yeah. that's, so I totally, I, I mean, when I saw that, I was like, I can get it. I can, I can say, Hey, you know, the race teams are going, Hey, NASCAR, when, when you're ready, we're ready. But until you're ready, we're yeah, no, we're, we're yeah, no, we're not coming. Well, in this you case, know, so. it wasn't NASCAR that wasn't ready. It was the teams that weren't ready. The teams were at, you know, again, from what I understand, everybody had a different agenda of what they wanted to talk to NASCAR about. And that's when the race team negotiation committee was like, we're not going to accomplish anything. So but okay. I, it, again, it goes back. The main point being there's a lot of tough conversations that are happening and are going to continue to happen over the next however many months. Feelings are going to get hurt. People are not going to agree. You're going to continue to see stories in the media, mostly from the team side, because, listen, for those who don't know and those who don't pay attention, that's not how NASCAR does business. NASCAR doesn't do business in the media. So no matter how no, many times it makes them no matter how many times it makes them look bad and people accuse them of hiding something and not being transparent that's just because they don't handle their business in the media whether it's business business whether it's penalties whether it's um something they, with a driver they just don't do it in the media so well, if you're going to continue to hear stuff you're going to hear it from the drivers you're going to hear it from the team owners and because they have the loudest microphones so um there's going to be a lot, again, that probably comes out over how many, many months, but me right now, maybe it's me being naive and, and not completely understanding the business side of racing, but you said you're worried. I'm not worried at this point because, again, it just seems like, yes, somebody's going to be happy, somebody's going to be unhappy, but it always works itself out. So, well, we'll I, I mean, now, you can't listen. Have- if we're in this spot in April of 2023, then I might be worried. <laughs> 24, you mean? 20, in April 20, 24? 24. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, and, and again, you're not going to have 36 team owners, okay? I mean, 
that are going to just go, okay, well, screw it. We're out. Right. Cause one, where are they going to liquidate their stuff to? Right. Okay. So you, I mean, charter values, you, if you're going to sell out, right. You can't make, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, right there, when I say that statement, that's what makes me worried. NASCAR needs to get to the table. And if this France comment of the fact that they don't like the current charter system, they yeah. you better come, you better come up with something quick because that makes a lot of people nervous with millions well, the of charter, dollars yeah. investment. So we just talked about the TV rights deal, right? So the, the, the media rights deal and trying to get a bigger piece of that puzzle. The, the charter system, obviously the charter system is, is tied into that. But the issue that everybody's seeing now with the, with the, with the charter system is, is it going to exist? Um, the race teams want the charters. There are 16 team owners that have the 36 charters okay these charters are your guarantee that you have a starting spot in every race that charter also has a value because those teams with a charter are getting a specific percentage of race money and so on and so forth yep the charter because it's supposed to give you value also means that if a race team owner like a Rick Hendrick, which this is a hypothetical, nobody write this story. This is not happening. But if Rick Hendrick woke up tomorrow and said, I'm done, I'm out of the car business. I am out of the racing business and went and wanted to sell his charter. The charter is supposed to ensure that his business and his race team that he has spent his entire life building and and has all this success with as a return has a return that it's worth something so the race teams want these charters because again you're getting a specific percentage of money and if a team owner wants to sell their their race team they're going to get something in return allegedly jim france And I say allegedly because, again, NASCAR doesn't do their business in the media. This is just a rumor that is out there. Um, He allegedly has said he doesn't want the charter system anymore. All right. Let me me interrupt. I want you to tell, tell, tell our listeners, hypothetically, from your point of view, why would Jim France not want the teams to have charters? Just one reason and one reason only. I, I honestly, I have no idea. I don't, I don't, oh. I, I, I really don't. I don't, I don't. I think I mean, it has completely, t- it completely ties to the, va- to the value factor well, of the it, deal. It probably completely. does because, it, because again, completely everything comes to down it. to money. Yes. That's uh, because if, if NASCAR has to div if NASCAR has to break those percentages down and they have to divvy them up. So, and if they don't, you know, if, if, like, let's just say that everybody on the media deal, 36, your 16 owners, the 36 cars, they're going to get a 4% increase. And and people say, oh, well, that's low. Well, not when you're talking about billions. It's not low. That's a pretty (laughs) large number, right? Okay. But if they do away with the charter system and try and NASCAR says, well, now we're going to move things around 
and maybe we're actually going to go back to a purse program and then they're taking the TV rights deals and so forth and they're, and they're breaking down a, a pricing structure or a point structure or things of that nature, then at the end of the day, they can make it look like a Rose Garden, but the Rose Garden's not guaranteed to be there for 36 races. Yeah. The charter, like- the charter system guarantees the money to function. And again, not profit banking, right? I totally agree. The in motorsports has turned into a not profit making deal. It is a try to break even or not lose that much, as Kelly Earnhardt says. Oh, um, you know. And and that's why I could understand when that statement came out. I went, well, well, who who didn't expect to hear a comment like that from somebody in a bathroom stall from NASCAR? I mean, it, it, that I guarantee you, Curtis and all the other guys on the race team side, I guarantee you, they're thinking, well, of course he doesn't want us to have charters because it's a financial situation. Absolutely, I, I mean. <sighs> Because see, here I am the guy, I'm criticizing NASCAR on this aspect, right? Get the deal done, get it done so that everybody can continue to grow. Because I think as soon as the charter deal gets done and they make the announcement of what they're going to do with the teams, I think that's when you're going to start to hear some charters get sold. I think it has something to do with why Dale Earnhardt and them have not jumped off in because he's like you you hear him make the comments we don't know what it's worth we don't know what we're going to get why would we go by now and we'd wait i mean chip ganassi his interview was awesome about it i mean that's just you know i i would like to have something like that come to nhra if we could ever get organized you know but we just can't you know, you're absolutely right. You know, why, why spend the money on a charter if you don't know what the next charter deal is going to look like? Now, there's also the problem of this, though. I don't, I think that there's what a charter is actually worth. And then there's the numbers that are out in the public. Oh, and absolutely. The numbers, absolutely. The, the yeah, numbers no. of what these charters are allegedly selling for is ridiculous. Like I'm, I've heard thirty-three to thirty-five million dollars. I, that's ridiculous. I also don't know if that's accurate, though. That's why I'm saying I think there's the numbers that are out there, and then I think there's what the charter is actually worth. Because if that is accurate, that's a hell of a jump from when Denny Hamlin spent. I think it was. I don't know if it was ever confirmed. But I heard thirteen point five when he. Okay, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I thought the number I had in my head was sixteen because I thought I heard yeah. him say one time he made one comment uh, yeah. somewhere. Number, I don't remember yeah, whether it was number, two and a half times yeah. is what it's it's changed to or yeah. increased to. When yeah. when he start when he and Michael Jordan started twenty three eleven racing and they bought that charter for their one car at the time it was yeah thirteen to six right that was the number that was being floated out yeah. there thirteen to sixteen. If it's now 35, what in the hell are we doing? Like, that's, why? Why? I just, but again, I'm not a race team owner, so I I don't understand it. I, I try to keep up with it all as best I can as, ever, as these things continue to happen, but. Oh, I mean, I don't know, Don. you just. 
You just have to lean over, like take a blanket is in folks that like listening on the podcast. I'm like looking like I'm grabbing a wubby and pulling myself over. And I just want to snuggle up next to Adam Stern and say, please teach me. Because yeah. I mean, Adam Stern, it's, it seems like every couple of weeks he writes a piece with just a little bit more insight uh, and thought process to it. And if you get a chance to, you know, I, I mean, listening to Chip Ganassi the athletic talk. is my go-to. Yes. Yep. Bianchi is <laughs> right. I mean, Jordan, he's the same Jordan way. and I talk or text all the time and I'm like, I don't freaking get it, man. <laughs> oh, for sure. Absolutely. All right. Let's. Let's zip off here a little bit because we have been rambling about this. All right. Your media center questions, because I still feel like drivers are not talking anymore. They are not talking anymore. All right. Every, most of my listeners know I, since Dale Jr. Download or Dirty Mo Media came out with Denny Hamlin. I Look, I am not a Denny Hamlin fan at mm. all. Never have been. Don't like FedEx. They never get anything anywhere on time. Okay. But I just had a problem I, with them too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, but, but my, but my deal is, is like, listen to it. Like he, he is giving you unedited firsthand information about everything. Business side, on track, off track. I mean, there's something to be said for people like that. I, I mean, I always listen. I don't, I mean, I don't like Roger Pinsky for the most part. I mean, he's a Ford guy. I'm a Chevy guy. I don't like Fords, but when he comes on a show or somebody's interviewing or he gives an interview and it's printed, I listen or I read because he didn't get to where he is because he's stupid. And so you've got to give that amount of respect out there. You know, I got on a tangent yesterday when we were talking. I think, I, I'm sorry. I don't agree with Denny Hamlin. I don't agree with them finding him and upholding it. I don't don't agree with it one bit because they're, you know, they made, mo they made money. If, I'm sorry if you're a sporting organization and you cut a promo to sell tickets or exposure or sponsorships or marketing or how I don't care what word you want to put on it. You cut a promo to make money to support your sport off of something that was controversial. Nope. I'm out. I I'm didn't out. agree. I I didn't agree with the points penalty. I agreed with the fine because Denny put NASCAR in a position to where they had to react. When you blatantly admit that you wrecked someone or attempted to wreck someone, um, you're forcing NASCAR to react in some way. So I I don't know if I necessarily agreed with the fine. I understood the fine. I did not agree with the points penalty. I think if you don't call it in the moment when you see it, when you're in the NASCAR tower, then I don't think you can go back and retroactively say, we're taking 25 points from you. So I didn't agree with it. I understood it. Um, Anytime a driver has come out and admitted to doing something blatant or, or admitted to doing something intentionally to benefit them and it affects the race, you're going to get penalized. Um, Bubba Wallace, five days later, confessed to a crime uh, that he intentionally spun to bring out a caution. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, in the early 2000s, and I know it's a, it's a long time ago, but uh, he admitted it 
over the radio under caution that he just spun out to bring out the caution that he needed. Um, and they penalize him right there in the race. So anytime you do something like that, you are daring NASCAR to react. So again, I don't know if I agreed with it, but I understood it. Oh, uh, my, my, my case, or let me see my evidence of support for Denny Hamlin would be Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick. Well, Denny brought that up and Denny is absolutely right because NASCAR penalized Denny and the part of the rule book that they cited was race manipulation. Now I have argued this on Sirius XM and I have argued it to anybody else who will listen to my ramblings, which means Don, you're now gonna have to listen to it. <laughs> race manipulation is a hefty term. Oh. And if you're going to penalize someone for race manipulation, you better have a clear cut definition of what that is. Now, according to Denny, his understanding of race manipulation is if you do something to directly affect what you're doing or your teammate is doing. Now, what Denny did to Ross didn't affect anybody else. It affected Denny because he was the dumbass that took himself out in the process. And he admits that. He admits that he failed in his retaliatory efforts. And not only did he cost Ross positions, but he cost himself positions. So right. he failed. All right. He failed. He needs to go back and, and learn, you know. It's like the Danica Patrick rule because she was terrible at it too. You can retaliate and take yourself out instead of the person you're trying trying to take out. So I don't know if what Denny did is race manipulation. Now you mentioned Chase Elliott. Denny brought up the Chase Elliott example. Chase Elliott at Bristol in 2021? It was either 20 yeah, or 21. Yeah, last yeah. couple of years. Yeah, it was either 20 or 21. Um everything blends together when you work in <laughs> when you work in racing everything blends together but anyway it was a couple of years ago um chase elliott being pissed off at kevin harvick because kevin harvick and he and and chase elliott were racing hard chase gets a flat tire has to pit and can no longer contend for the win then coming back on the racetrack and saying over the radio where is the five car which is his teammate kyle larson where is the five car? I'll help him there. And then continuing to slow and bob and weave and mess with Kevin Harvick, who was the race leader to allow Kyle Larson to catch and pass Kevin Harvick. That is race manipulation. You affected the outcome of a race. Martin Truex yep. Jr. Martin Truex Jr. Making the playoffs in 2013 because Clint Boyer had a quote-unquote itchy arm at Richmond is race manipulation. And right? they handled that. And they handled that. Um, yep, but Chase so, didn't get anything. But Chase so didn't we, get anything. We, can't, we, can't, so, we cannot impact the, the poster child. Right. Um, Cole Custer just last year at the Charlotte Roval. Yep. They penalized his team for race manipulation because he slowed down on the last lap 
to make sure that Chase Briscoe, his teammate, was going to pass cars so he could advance in the playoffs. That is race manipulation. You are affecting the natural flow of the race and who is running where and who is doing what. Um, but the problem, as Denny pointed out, is that there's times where they're where they where NASCAR calls it and there's times where they don't. Very and- inconsistent. In this case, I don't think what Denny did was race manipulation. It was a dumbass move because, again, he cost himself in the process. And I appreciated his honesty in admitting that he did it on purpose. But NASCAR was looking for something that apparently that they decided that they were going to penalize him for. So it's. it's I mean, come on. We all know that NASCAR and Denny, neither one of them are getting Christmas cards. They're not going. They're not going out of their way to have steak dinners together. And, well, and, I, I don't mean, know so much about the current NASCAR sanctioning body. I think the current NASCAR sanctioning body and Denny actually have a very good relationship, from everything I understand. And Denny actually says that. Denny says he has no problem with Steve Phelps, um, NASCAR president Steve Phelps, so on and so forth. Now, Denny and the previous regime of. Brian France and other people. Yes, there was no love loss there because Denny was getting fined and double secret probation all the time because he would get out of the car and talk about how much it sucks. And then they would penalize him for it. He still he still gets out of the car and talks about how much it sucks. But NASCAR has come uh... around and they don't. Yeah, NASCAR's come around in that regard, Don. I will say that NASCAR has been. The last couple of years, um, NASCAR, the NASCAR sanctioning body has been a lot more open to criticism. Um, now, within certain bounds, right? Nobody wants to be criticized. And you don't. <sighs> what? Come on, let's talk. Let's let because I, I want you want I want to go with the criticism. I want to go with the criticism. Stick no. with me on this one. Right. I, what I'm, oh, how... But what I mean is. I've been and I've been told this over the years is that we're all eating out of the same pot. So if you want to be pissy about what's in the pot, you can to a certain extent until there's nothing left to put in the pot because you've, you've run everybody off. Right. I think, I think to NASCAR's to, to the Nat to, to, to be, to play devil's advocate here. NASCAR is never going to like when you criticize the sanctioning body. And to an extent, they're not going to like when you criticize the product. Because if you constantly criticize the product, if I'm a race fan, why am I going to tune in to watch it now? All right. (laughs) On the other hand, on the other hand, as regimes have changed over the years, they've gotten a lot better about that. Whether it's been driver criticism and no longer finding them every time they say something negative. And even from a media perspective, because junk parts, there were there were NASCAR folks that work with the media that they could not take criticism at all. And that regime has also changed to where now there's people in those positions that understand it can't always be rainbows and cupcakes. We're not always going to be singing your praises. We've got to be honest and tell people what's really going on. So it has changed over the years. But again, if you're NASCAR, you can't have your drivers constantly out here talking about how horrible everything is because eventually, as I just said, your fans are going to be like, well, if it's so terrible, I'm not watching it. Okay. 
the, the criticism piece of that, I agree with, but I, I think we've had this conversation before where I stated, I don't think any of the drivers are so unprofessional that, including the team leadership, that those conversations or criticisms or potential solutions to the criticisms haven't been presented behind closed doors to the proper officials probably a couple times before the driver goes, all right, you mother scrubbers don't want to do anything about it. And you're not listening to us. I'll tell the world, mm. turn on your, turn on your tape recorder. I, I don't, don't know, Don. I, I don't know. I, I think I, you're, I mean, you're, you're do you cute. think Kevin Harvick, do you think Kevin Harvick legitimately had never said anything at all about the quality of parts in the car tomorrow before it caught on fire and burn him up and now he's selling t-shirts and then he gets fined for that too. I mean, he didn't you, get fined you know, for that. Kevin Hart didn't get fined for that. They don't like it, but he didn't get fined for it. You sure about that? I'm positive. I would have had to have written that story. He didn't get fined for that. Now, like I said, they don't like it. They don't like when you sell a t-shirt that's a t-shirt that says crappy ass parts. Trust me. They don't like that at all. <laughs> well, NHRA didn't like it when Larry Morgan sold T-shirts that said you can't fix stupid. So, I mean, I get they, it. I do. They didn't find them. They didn't penalize them. Okay. I thought I thought Kevin posted think, on his Twitter that he got fined for your, that. To your point, Don, I think there, yes, there are drivers who will go to NASCAR and if they're, and if they feel like they're not getting any way, getting anywhere, then yes, then they go to the media. But there's also drivers that just immediately go straight to the media because they know, as I said earlier, when I made the analogy, drivers have the biggest microphone and they have the biggest audience and you can use the public to your favor. So there's drivers and Kevin Harvick has done it and he has admitted it. I'm not going to waste my time going to talk to NASCAR. I'm just going to say it here. Okay. I was getting ready to get for, to ask you to give me an example of a driver. That's a good one. I Kevin Harvick. No. I like anybody. I mean, there's there's so, drivers who will say, well, you can't go talk to them. They don't listen to them. They don't listen. Now, whether that's actually true or they're just uh, pissed off, who knows? But there's drivers who will use the media instead of going to NASCAR. Because listen, I've had NASCAR sources come to me after drivers have made these comments. And they will come to me and say, that's pretty funny that they say that because my door's always open and my phone also hasn't rang. Isn't that listen, easy? Don, isn't listen, easy listen. for an organization to do? I mean, it, I mean, NHRA can do that. Oh yeah, they they don't ever come and tell us. We, you know, I, it could. Can any organization do that? They don't. Drivers don't. Like I said, drivers. There are some drivers who will handle their business behind closed doors. Brad Keselowski is is very much like that. If you you will never see Brad Keselowski airing his business in the media, right? Even last year, when he was penalized oh. 100 points for a modified part, he did not badmouth anybody in the media. He went through I the process. He, he, he went through the process. They went through the appeals process. And even today says that it was fair and they got through it and it forced him and the company to change what they were doing. He will not handle his business in the media. 
because all the conversation, the conversation we've just had for 45 minutes on ratings and charters and all of this, Brad all Kislowski, that affects. Brad Kislowski as a team owner gets asked that on a weekly basis. And Brad right. approaches it from a very civil and straight down the middle point of view, which is if he has something to offer, he will offer it, but he doesn't air the business in the media. There are other drivers that they see a microphone and it's game on. And as give I, me one. <laughs> well, who's Kevin, your favorite? Kevin no, who's is, your favorite? Who's Kevin your favorite? Is very much guilty of it. Who's your Kevin, favorite though? Kevin's very guilty of it. Um. Oh, there's I I can't think of it who it is now. But the expression I always like to use is. They've never met a microphone they didn't like. But who's your favorite? <laughs> Nobody listens to this show. No, it's not that I'm it's not that I'm avoiding the question. I'm genuinely trying to think. Well, I mean, we we've talked about Denny, but I don't think Denny does it egregiously. Denny is a guy though that if you ask him a question, he's going to give you an answer. Be Kyle prepared. Bush Kyle Bush is the same way. If you ask him a question, he's going to give you an answer. Um, so everybody just does it differently. Like I said, there's guys that that handle their business behind closed doors. Corey, Le Corey LaJoy has a podcast, but Corey LaJoy also handles a lot of his issues behind closed doors before he says something on a podcast. Um but again, then there's other guys, and I'm, I'm just going to keep using him as an example because he admits it, where Kevin will say, I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to waste my time. And instead, he says it in the media. <laughs> okay. So I will tell you, I heard a Kevin Kevin Harvick interview. This has had to have been a few months back. Um, and it may have been, been a little slice off of Corey LaJoy's podcast where Kevin talked about his RCR days when they were horrible on the racetrack. He used to, they used to do stuff to distract from their performance on the racetrack and take that limelight yeah. off of the racetrack portion mm -hmm. of it and put it somewhere else. And I said, he goes, I need him to talk about me, but we don't want to talk about our performance on the racetrack. And I was like, that's smart. Yeah. That is truly smart. Yeah. You don't want people mm. talking about how you run, you're running like a bag of ass. Right? right. You don't want people, you don't want people questioning what's wrong with your race team. Is it the driver? Is it the crew chief? Is the, is it the equipment? Are they not spending money? Do they need to make a change? Nobody wants to talk about that. So I'm going to go out here and create headlines in a different way. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So that'll bring me into, that'll bring me into talking about somebody who's creating headlines over here in my world, Tony Stewart. So smoke. There's been some conversations on some other podcast platforms and some Twitter, Twitterverse, if you will, about a riff between Stewart and Haas and Tony not really being around the NASCAR tracks on as much anymore. Obviously, he's married to Leah uh, and he's got an NHRA team. And obviously, Tony won in Vegas last week driving mm -hmm. an A fuel car. What, what's been the kind of consensus for the Stuart Haas reps and what's been the, the whispers, if you will, that have been around the media center? I mean, they are losing Kevin Harvick, who like right now, I, I mean, it's got to be him. 
it's not Kyle. It's not Denny. It's not Joey. Um, it's, it's Harvick, right? Harvick's Harvick is the next Mount Rushmore that's leaving the world of NASCAR. And I mean, him and Tony, I mean, they did some stuff together. So what's been kind of the, the conversation? Has there been anything that's been said over on the NASCAR media center side? I mean, yeah, there's always talk about it, right? I I don't know from any legitimate people because at the end of the day, Tony doesn't work on race cars. Tony's not building the race cars. Tony's not tuning the race cars. He's not responsible for what they're doing on the racetrack. His job is to make sure that the people who are working on those race cars are getting everything that they need, right? He That's his job. His job is provide the resources and provide the money, provide whatever they need. And if he has to be in those meetings and if he has to be at the race shop, he is there. He is there. Um, but he doesn't need to be every day. He's not building the race car. He's not turning the wrenches on those race cars. So I hear it. I see it on social media. You know, there's fans that are upset that he's not at the racetrack. There's fans that think that he's abandoned NASCAR. Um, if Tony comes to the racetrack, what's that going to change? I'm with you. I am with you from that aspect. I also, as the aspect of saying, I think it's great that Tony's in the booth for some of these NASCAR events as an on-air guy. But I think if I was NASCAR, I mean, you have Jeff Gordon, you got Dale Jr., and you got Tony Stewart. I mean, now you're going to have Kevin Harvick. They're going to be on the, you know, the on-air. I don't know, a few years back when the whole Eldora with the dirt and Tony, I mean, he gave some pretty, pretty good sound bites. Well, yeah, that was a NASCAR. few years ago. He, he, he certainly was pissed. Yes. But you know what? That's a few years ago. And Tony is a grown ass man. And I don't think he's holding grudges. I think you move on, you move on. Right. Because he's got all this other stuff going on in his life. So NASCAR made a decision. Tony made a decision. They're not racing at Eldora anymore. It's just, okay, that ship has sailed. Tony went off, started SRX. He's got that going for him. He won a championship over there. Uh, he married Leah. He loves NHRA. Now he's racing in NHRA. Uh, still has the dirt teams. Like he's already yes. had all of this stuff going on, right? Right. So again, I understand the criticism because- it's Tony Stewart. You want to see him at the racetrack. But I hate to break it to you. Roger Penske ain't at the racetrack every week. Rick Hendrick's not at the racetrack every week. Uh, I, th I think, I think that's the aspect of saying, though, you know how you, how you get the consistency, right? You're cons you see you have something consistent, 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 consistent. Yeah. And then all of a sudden – it becomes inconsistent and now he's consistently engaged in something else. I don't know. It's you just want, I don't think, I honestly don't think that it impacts Stuart Haas racing at all, unless they need Tony to come in there and flip over tool carts in, in, the, right. in the race shop, you know, but I mean, you can tell when he's, when he talked, I mean, you could, you know, I, I go back to PRI and he was on stage for the interview there uh, the opening morning. I mean, 
he's passionate about all of his racing but that, and everything that he does. And it's like right. the people don't give him that right. courtesy of he, extension of his passion. He's already had all of these other interests and all of these other businesses for a long, long time before he stopped going to NASCAR races. Yeah. But all of, a, all of a sudden now it's a problem. You know what, Don? Here's why it's a problem. And I'm going to piss off people when I say this. I'm going to piss off race fans. But you know what? I do it on Twitter on a daily basis. And I've said this to them on <laughs> Twitter. The, the, I, I've said it to the people who have sent me these tweets on Twitter. It is not NASCAR versus everybody else. Mm. It is not one or the other. And there is a portion of the NASCAR fan base that if you are not all in on NASCAR and you show any out. interest in anything else, you are turning your backs on the quote unquote people who got you here. The legacy. Right. And I see it all the time. NASCAR gets accused of it when they try to go to different markets, when they try to go to different racetracks, when they, as soon as they do something different, it's, well, they're, they don't remember who got them here. They're getting away from their roots. Tony Stewart already had a dirt team. He's yeah. already had the dirt track. He has SRX. He was already I, I interested mean... in NHRA. Just because he has under other interests does not mean he's turning his back or doesn't care about NASCAR. I am telling I, you, he is on the phone if he needs to be on the phone. He's in the meetings if he needs to be in those meetings. But he doesn't build the damn car. <laughs> you would think you would think, by the way, the, the social media or the Twitterverse, if you will, like that's like that's everything. And it's not, it it's you know, like some of the posts that I saw the comments about Tony winning in Vegas were like, okay, well, maybe now he'll go back and Stuart Haas will start winning. Now Tony got a Wally. You know, it's like, what the F does that have to do with anything, guys? Yeah, I don't think that Wally is going to make Kevin Harvick's Ford Mustang go any faster. Right? I mean, it just, it it kind of Unless that Wally along. has magical powers, nobody on NHRA has clued me in on. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that just kind of goes along with what we're talking about, that it seems like we're talking about drivers and what they say and how the media runs with it or how social media either runs with it or supports it or poo-poos on it or poo-poos on their writers like yourself or, you know, Gluck or any of these other guys. Uh, it just, it's constant. It's like we're that we're all battling, right? NASCAR, your side, you guys are battling within your own fan base. You're battling. We're over here at NHRA. We're battling because, you know, we got a, a three-time champion, the only one that can actually say he's won a champion, uh, world championship at every level, Sean Langdon, getting just completely and utterly obliterated in social media after he accepts responsibility for getting timed out. And, People are saying some of the dumbest shit you've ever heard in your entire life. And it's like, I can't believe you press send on that, you know? And like, it's like, did you, life. <laughs> like, for, what did you read? What the F were you thinking? And, and I'm, I'm sorry. Look, let, let's talk about NHRA. I, I mean, 
we want, and I say we, because I'm a drag racing person. This is my career over here in the world of motorsports, right? It's what, what I love to do. It's all I can think about doing. It's all I want to do besides eat fish tacos and drink high names. And at the end of the day, our sport has to move. Well, we're also in the entertainment business. And if we don't have an entertaining mm -hmm. product, just like you just said, your on-track performance, your on-track product, what do we have? At the end of the day, we don't have anything. Right now, our sport at the professional level is growing, right? We've got more and more competitive teams. We've got more and more competitive cars. But what we don't have is we don't have rivalries. We don't have entertainment value. We don't have the sound bites. We don't have the people that ruffle feathers on a regular basis. And your boy, Tony Stewart, being over here in NHRA, I, there's, there's nothing, there is nothing better. I mean, insert Tony Stewart anywhere, talking smack in drag racing class. I'm game. That's, that's what, that will be entertaining because he's got one-liners for days. Oh, I yeah. mean. I mean, what was the one social media? What was that? Two or three years ago, he was dirt track racing. He signed an autograph and handed it to the kid and punched the guy that was running his mouth at him. I forget what dirt track that was at. That's my guy right there. That's that's passion. That's entertaining. People think that they can just, you know, and for those of you who are list, listening to podcast land, I'm freaking making the freaking running your mouth, you know, sign here on YouTube. And you can just continue to run your freaking gums and nothing happened. And Sean Langdon, yesterday, this week, had another driver pipe up on a social media post. And Sean was like, dude, shut it. And I'm like, there you go. Now we have a rivalry. We just need to capitalize on it. I, I just, I don't know what your take is on that from over there. Because I know you're watching a little bit from afar. Uh in your circle. Oh, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's your take, Kelly? I, um, I have to get caught up on, uh, on NHRA from Vegas. I was in Martinsville, so I didn't get to watch it. So, uh, I do have NHRA.tv. I have to go back and watch the Sunday feed. I tuned in a little bit Friday and Saturday, but I didn't get to watch Sunday, of course, because I was working in Martinsville. So I got to go back and get caught up, but I've seen the social media posts that you are referencing and, from an outsider, I will just say that it's hilarious. Now, from a media perspective, when NASCAR drivers do it, it's hilarious, but in a different way, because it's one of those things where it's like, are you 12 arguing over social media? Call the guy or go walk up to him and act like a grown ass man. <laughs> so it makes me laugh that I can watch that you guys are having to deal with that. Like I said, me as an outsider, you know, I don't have to report or, or do too much on that. So I get a kick out of it. Um, but we we do have that in NASCAR as well, is that you'll see drivers start spouting off on social media about someone or they'll, they'll they won't even mention who they're talking about. They'll just talk about like a, a generalized incident or something. And it's like, come on. Like we had a thing a couple of years ago where I think like, I think it was Mike Harmon or somebody like it turned into this whole thing about like, they were tweeting each other about, well, meet me at the Applebee's. And I'm like, did we like what? Like we're tweeting about meet me at Applebee's and we'll like what? Wait a minute, hold my watch. <laughs> yeah, it's just 
so you said i mean you said it right there it's entertainment right at every motor everything is entertainment uh having to cover it though is not entertainment it's a little it's a little silly i don't you know i think i we need to grow we need to grow we have got to get eyeballs and and so we can only go so fast yes to your point i think the difference between yes, but the difference between NHRA and NASCAR is that it does not seem like there's a lot of drivers over there that are saying probably what they could or want to say. And again, that I, I don't want to say I'm a newbie because I feel like I've done this and I've covered y'all for a while and you know long enough now that I feel like I have a pretty good idea of how things work. But that is the difference, right? Is that there's not people in NHRA that are fighting. They're not um, They're not criticizing someone. It's get out of the car, shake hands, and we're on to the next round. Whereas in NASCAR, it's, you know, that guy's a hack. That, <laughs> you know, um, that, that was a good one. Uh, Alex Bowman made a lot of money from T-shirts for that. Um, Absolutely. I think Kyle Busch saying – also about Alex Bowman that, you know, he backed into a win, Um, (laughs) you know, there's Kevin Harvick jumping over race cars to try to strangle Greg Biffle. There's Kevin Harvick and Carl Edwards caught on camera trying to strangle each other in the garage at Charlotte. Um, Tony, as you mentioned, I mean, he's busted people's asses literally and just through his, words. Yeah, <laughs> through, through, through his words um whereas yeah i've been in nhr right now for a couple years and i'm like y'all really can't like each other that much like hell no hell like, no where's there, there, where's the truth no. bombs here no no and that's the that is like and i talked about it a couple weeks ago right so like obviously you had john force his incident with J.R. Todd and that, you know, in, and I'll tell you this right now, uh, J.R. Todd is on camera. You, you can't, he totally needs to get the, the, the composure award if they're going to have one in 2023, because he did not go where I think everybody that is an actual racer wanted to go or would have went but he didn't go there because i would have if you run over me you know yeah. i mean if you run over me i'm i might have made a t-shirt you're a hack i don't care how many championships you know what i mean at that point you're I, and he didn't go there like you know when we had tanner gray and the elite guys and i mean it just there's we, you know, now we have it's here's the here's where our entertainment is right now. We have this so-called media guy that's out there that's dropping derogatory comments about Eric Enders and Courtney. I might have had a run-in social. with that guy. Okay, well, that guy's a hack, and he's gonna he's gonna continue, and I'm gonna do and and I uh, hope he listens to the podcast because I'm is, telling 
being I know, nice. I'm being nice. I'm being nice. It's my much nicer than I said to him in the comment section. Well, I want to tell him. I, I mean, he here, what what is uh this is not premeditated. This is premeditated. It is premeditated. I'm saying it to you. I am going to do everything I possibly can to where you have zero content impressions and interactions. I am going to make it my mission in life because any individual that attacks somebody as a person based off of their, their physical features and outward characteristics, dude, you're the reason why we go to third world countries and rid the earth of individuals with acts of genocide. That's exactly the list that I put him in. He's over here, Somalia, Haiti, Kosovo, those third world countries that we went to and had to intervene. He's an idiot and he shouldn't be allowed to say what he says. But that being said, we still have to stop the vanilla stuff. I want someone to get out of the car at the end of the racetrack and a man abuse it go, hey, you got that wind like that round. You're moving on. How'd that make you feel? I feel pretty good. It's going to be fun watching them take the awning down for the next hour and a half while we move on to the semifinals. Yeah. What's wrong with saying that? There's nothing wrong with that. What are they doing while you're going to the semifinals? Taking the awning down. I didn't. I mean, it was just a good chest comment. And we just don't have we don't have and i like sean i've got the utmost respect in the world for that guy and he's not afraid to let her rip tater chip um and i think at some point eric is going to be the same way i think there's just going to be something that's going to happen and it'll be like lighting a hand or lighting a fuse on a block of c4 and she's just going to lose it and, she's and, not and, one. I, yeah, she's not one that I would want to cross. I, because I feel like she's got, I feel like Erica is a little bit like me. And for people who don't know what that means, which is we hear everything and we know we it's there, but yeah. we don't say anything at first. But then when it does happen, oh, it's big. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, if you if you're willing to say it. You got to be willing to catch it. That, yeah. That's it. If you can say it, make sure that you can catch it. No, not all of us like each other. We're not supposed. Look, I, and it just hit me <laughs> because, because of this. So there, there is a great racer. Hall of Fame. And one time he told me on the telephone, I had a little bit of a confidence issue. was struggling. And he said, if you stick your key in the ignition to pull out of the driveway and go to a racetrack and you're doing it and don't think that you can win, just take the key out of the ignition and go back inside. Why go? You're, you're going for one reason and one reason only, and that's the win, period. I'm not here to be your friend. I don't care if you come and drink, have a drink with me once we're done. I don't care if you ride by and don't say a flipping word to me. He goes, that's not what I'm here for. And we have all lost that sight. We can all have human respect and be competitive. And like, I mean, period. So, I'm here to freaking win. End of story. So I guess I need to bring Joey Logano to an NHRA race to educate everybody on that. Because Joey gets a lot of, gets a lot of shit for that in NASCAR. Because Kyle Busch says that Joey Logano's two-faced. 
He said a couple weeks ago, Joey Logano was two-faced because outside of the race car, Joey's talking to him and they're having a good time and they're doing TV together and everything's great. But then in the race, Joey will move your ass. Joey will hit you if he has to. He's going to race you very, very hard. He is there to win. And Joey will tell you he don't bring his friends to the racetrack. He's not there for that. He don't care what you think of him. If you want to call him Two-Faced, go ahead and call him Two-Faced. He loved it. He went on Sirius XM for an hour the day after and that was set and <laughs> had a blast with it. Go ahead, call him Two-Faced. Because Joey is there to win races. And he does what he has to do to win races. Now, that doesn't mean Joey's a dirty race car driver. But no. he's going to race you really freaking hard. And if that means your feelings get hurt, because you got run into, or he knocked you out of the way for a win, then, okay, that's your problem, not his. So, you know, again, maybe that's what people need to understand is, yeah, there's the person outside the race car that I can be, I can, I can have a conversation with you. We can be friends. You know, we can talk about our lives and our families and do a TV interview. But when I put the helmet on, I'm here to win a race and I'm here to go compete for a championship. And if you are in my way, sucks to be you. And you know what? How can you criticize Joey Logano? Because he's got two championships, a Daytona 500. I think he's got a Southern 500. Um, he's got how many wins in NASCAR overall, right? Yep. He's always in the playoff picture, right? So clearly what he's doing works for him and works for his sponsors. And you know what? His race team loves him to death and they will go to battle for him because he's out there going to battle for them and is going to give them the best that he can. There's other drivers in NASCAR that I have criticized because I think they're a little too friendly. And I think that that it reflects in their driving. I think that there's yeah. times where Ryan Blaney needs to be a little more aggressive. And I think that there's times where if Ryan Blaney wasn't racing his friend, he would have doored his friend out of the way and won a race. Instead, he kept it clean. Oh, and, so, and again, I think that all comes into, Kelly, I think that's a perspective, right, of what the individual, how they how they are. I, I, I think intern, internally. And that's, you know, I, I had a just a complete unintelligent conversation with somebody who tried to tell me that drag racing, what we're doing is fun. And and I was like, if this is what you think fun is, then you need to go do whatever it is that you feel like is competitive. Because just because you think it's fun does not mean that's the subscription that I signed up for. Yeah, fun for me is going like to play go yeah, I'm more, going to play like golf. More the context of what fun means. Yeah, no, that racing, going fast is fun. Okay, yeah, but it's way the F down the list of where it hits. Wind light, period, number one. That's it. That, that wind light, right? What, everything else, you can fill it the F in there wherever you want. It doesn't matter. And I'll go swing a golf club for fun and drink a high name. That's fun. I'm putting a freaking helmet on. I'm going to sweat my tail off in here. And all I'm going to do is try to put my foot on your throat and crush you. So you don't, your wind light doesn't come on. 
that's that's exactly my point. When the helmet goes on, these guys and girls become a different person. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's times that Ross Chastain has done stuff on the racetrack that when he gets out I of the car, Ross. he gets out of the car and takes the helmet off and you ask him about it and he has no idea what you're talking about. Now, there's been some occasions where he pleads ignorance so he doesn't get in trouble, but there's other times where he genuinely does not remember what he just did because you're doing it in the moment and you're doing what you have to do, but then you get out and you take the helmet off and you're, you're back, you know, and suddenly you're not, you're not tunnel vision. Like there's times that that happens with these race car drivers. It's the same thing when they say something in the heat of the moment and then people give them shit for it because they don't follow up. Uh, on it. Hold <laughs> it's on. Like, well, I, here's the, here's the, here's the best. Here's the best one. You'll laugh about this. We hate vanilla drivers that only thank sponsors. We hate drivers that speak out. You're a whiner now. Don't say that. You'll get canceled. Shut up and drive the car. <laughs> that was yeah, sent to me by a Yeah, that was sent to me by a very, very, very good race car driver. Championship mm -hmm. race car driver. And he's like, what do you do? And my whole thing is, like I told Erica, and I'm a firm believer in it, talk shit when you're losing. Talk shit when you win. Talk shit while they're pushing your car off the starting line because it didn't go anywhere. Talk shit if you wrecked in turn four at lap 10. It don't matter. Like, because it, I'm sorry, that Kevin Harvick perspective of I'm we're going to get attention, but we're going to draw the attention away from whatever it is that we don't want them to talk about. That that whole, that deal right there, when, he's, when I heard that, I was like, that's freaking brilliant. I love that. Totally love that. And it's not wrong, but we just don't have it. Everybody's worried about, you know, you said that. Does that get talked about in the NASCAR media center about what drivers say and what, what the television partner will air or won't, what won't air? Um, not really in the perspective of like what the television partner will do. It's okay. more of, I mean, we see it with a lot of younger drivers, which is younger drivers. It is beaten into them from day one to be very careful of what they do and what they say, because you don't want to upset your team. You don't want to upset your sponsor. Um, the older drivers like a Kevin Harvick, like a Kyle Busch, like a Ross Chastain, uh, they, you know, a Denny Hamlin, they know where the line is and they know how to get the point across without getting quote unquote canceled. Um, the young, younger drivers are a lot more reserved. Younger drivers. <laughs> I know what you did. I have two eyes. <laughs> I saw what you did on the racetrack. When you lied to me and, and treat me like I'm stupid. That's what I, that's what I have a problem with is like, there has to be a way for you to express what you mean and say what happened without getting in trouble. Right. And so, yeah, we don't really hear it in terms of, of TV partners, but yeah, there are times where drivers will, will catch themselves because they know if they say it, somebody's going to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to get, it canceled. goes back to what we yeah. talked about earlier, Don, which is, you know, sometimes you, you don't, you don't want to put NASCAR in a position to react. 
We have, we deal with the same thing over here in the NHRA world. Absolutely. I have Absolutely. yet to see it happen with a sponsor, though. That's what that's what is so funny to me is everybody talks about, oh, they don't want to lose their sponsors. They don't want to lose their partners. Who's who's lost a, a sponsor for saying something that they really meant? I mean, I don't know about you guys in NHRA, but I can't think of anybody in NASCAR in the last five years who has lost. Well, all right. Well, let me let me. Let me rephrase this because somebody on Twitter will tweet me later and say Kyle Larson, twenty twenty. Yes, I, I would. Ag- I would agree yes. with that. I, but that was a I word a, that he, that was a yes. word he should not have said. But what I, that's not what I mean. What I mean is I'm talking about on track. I'm talking right. about has, on track an incident. No, who I has can't. voiced their opinion about a race a race car driver or racing and lost a sponsor that's what i'm talking about i'm not talking about i don't know i mean using a word josh williams josh williams does stuff and picks sponsors up so i'm down with that (laughs) josh williams josh williams gained sponsors and he had one of the loudest cheers and driver intros at martinsville and i know that because i was standing on pit road when he was introduced it was loud he was as loud as josh berry which John uh, Barry is, you know, drives for junior yeah. motorsports and as a oh, winning yeah. race car driver. Right. Okay. Josh Barry is a popular yeah. driver. Josh Williams is now a popular yeah. driver because of what he did and gained sponsors. So I can't, God, where was I? I, my phone blew up. Like people were, were like direct messaging, <laughs> dude, did you see what he did? I'm like, I'm like, who the flip is Josh Williams? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, and then, but it, it was the reminder when he did the heart thing and I saw that I was like, Oh, wait a minute. That's the guy that goes to hospitals. Cause I had watched, I had watched, I'd seen something on a video that he had done that before. I was like, Oh, that's classic. He parked it. They told him to park it. They just weren't really specific about where he picked the spot. (laughs) the, The funny thing about this whole situation is. First off, let me say this. I love Josh Williams. I've done podcasts with Josh. I've seen him in the garage. Josh is, you mentioned the hospitals. Josh is a fantastic guy. And on one hand, yes, I'm so happy that he's finally being recognized for being a hell of a race car driver and people are seeing the charity work that he does and so on and so forth. That's awesome. I'm glad he's getting sponsors out of it so that he can continue to fund his race car. On the other hand, what makes this so funny is that first off, the minute you do anything against NASCAR, you become a fan favorite. So the minute yes. he thumbed his nose at NASCAR, he became a folk hero. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, though, NASCAR didn't tell him to park it. NASCAR told his spotter, you know, go to the garage, you're done for the day type of thing, right? <laughs> It wasn't until it wasn't until I think like social media and other people got a hold of it and was like, oh my God, he parked it, that they were like, oh yeah, we should turn that into a slogan. Like he wasn't actually told to park it by NASCAR. So it's just again, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but it's just again, he capitalized on a moment. And there's nothing so wrong with that. Nothing oh, I loved wrong with it. That. I loved it. And then he picked up a parking system as a sponsor for the next event. I thought yeah. that was awesome. That's how that yeah. works. That I is think, American. I think he picked capitalism. up another sponsor too. I don't remember. He might have picked up two. Mm. That's it's American capitalism in in action. I loved it. That's I did. All right, we have been talking forever. 
we i gotta wrap you up this i gotta i gotta wrap you up or i will not be able to rant very long which might be a good thing i might save my rant for a short maybe i'll do a youtube short but anyway you're on the show so we gotta wrap it up with two things i need your christmas card for 2023 who are you sending a christmas card to for the world of motorsports oh I should have been prepared for this question. Didn't you ask me this last time when I was on the show, like four years ago? <laughs> it's it's kind of my thing. Yeah. I start off with the cheery Christmas card. So this is a good one. I, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's the good one. Yeah, that's the good so, one. So this could be for anything? Yeah. Just somebody in motorsports that you want to send a Christmas card to and why? <laughs> so... I don't think she's going to watch this, but she, she knows that I love her anyway, speaking of the, the heart. So, uh, your fellow flow racing, uh, counterpart over there, Courtney Enders. I love Courtney. I am so proud of Courtney. She was a guest on my podcast last year and, um, understanding her story and going from someone that a lot of people would only consider her and, and recognize her as Erica's sister to what she's awesome. doing now. Um, what Courtney is doing for herself now and building her own brand and every, and now she's got a podcast of her own. I am just, I'm just so proud of her. And I, and I love it for her because you, we talked earlier in our conversation, Dawn, about, you know, belonging and fitting in and having the confidence and you know what you're talking about, you know what you're doing. And I've told her this before. The thing that I love about Courtney is that you can see that she loves what she does and you can see oh, that she, she's good at what she does. And she, she knows her shit and drag racing fans are so lucky to have that. So I can't give her enough props. So I, I just want to publicly, like I tell her this all the time. I want to publicly for anybody who watches this podcast, I want everybody to know that she's a superstar. And I hope people are now jumping on board and paying attention because she's doing a hell of a job for flow and drag racing fans are very, very lucky that they have her voice. I couldn't agree more. It was her, her going over there and moving over to flow had a lot to do with me being willing to do the on-air piece of it. And, and obviously I got to work with her, uh, with, you know, with lights out and, and world series of pro mod and, and so forth. And, I'm looking forward, hopefully, fingers crossed, that we're going to do some more events later on in 2023 together. But just she's like me, like it's it's what we know. Right. It's like where, you know, obviously she's, you know, a little bit younger than I am. So for me, it's riding off into the sunset. But for her, it's another two decades or three decades or however far she may go in the sport of, of impact. And Flow needed somebody to to go over there and be a cheerleader and be the face of Flow Drag Racing, and I and I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. She's doing an amazing job. Um, I mean, she used to respond to my text rather quickly. Now she's so famous, it takes her a little while. So you know, which I know yeah, she's, she's big not time watch now. It. Yeah, she's, she's big time this, now. So she I'm, don't have time for anybody. She's got that. Nah. She's got that big girl job. She's you know doing her Absolutely. thing. <laughs> absolutely yeah no for sure i we did we had an amazing time doing doing the on-air pieces uh I, I don't know how many times i walked off camera on her just at the end of the at the end of the interview i just walked off and let her close on her own she's like what do i do <laughs> 
I saw clips from that, uh, from that weekend of, of both of you guys. And I think I had sent her a text afterwards about that. Like you both, it was really, really good. Like I didn't get to tune in or anything. Cause I'm sure I was at a racetrack or whatever, but the little bit that I saw, uh, was very, very good. Because again, if you have two people who are passionate about what they're doing and they know what they're doing, that's just, that's amazing content for race fans. So that's why flow is really, really lucky. They lucked out. They got a good one. Well, I appreciate your comments. Thank you. All right. We did the cheery. Now we got to do the WTF 2023 right now. Who are you sending a WTF card to? Um, I don't know, Don. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things I could say that I shouldn't say publicly. Uh, I told you nobody listens. You're no, gold. no, there's too many people. There's too many people that would know. Um, I, I'm not going to give any names and I'm, and listen, I, I'm very lucky. I don't have a lot of problems with a lot of people or a lot of things, right? We talked about social media, but you know, social media that that's, again, you have block, to understand. Block. Yeah. You have to, under, you have to understand that that's people who are always going to be unhappy and they're going to find things to, to, you know, project onto you. So I'm really, really lucky in that regard. I don't have a lot of issues right now. Yes. Life can be tough sometimes, but I'm not going to air my, I'm not going to air my dirty laundry in public here. But I'll I will reference okay. something we talked about earlier, right? You you talked about a guidance counselor, right? Like I keep those same lists, you know, and I don't I don't have to make those lists public, but I'm at the end of the day, I'm gonna be here much longer than some people. And that's what I remind myself of. So I don't have to publicly send Christmas cards, I don't have oh. to publicly say anything, but I've got a list. And I'm going to remember the people who support you and the people who are genuinely happy for you and people who help you. And you also remember the people that only come around when they need something or they're trying to piggyback off of something you're doing. And then they then they want to say, you know, that, oh, they always knew you're going to you're going to uh, be important. So, right. I truly, genuinely don't have any bones to pick with anybody right now. Not even something funny for for this section. Oh man! I I I have my. Can I get? Jar. Listen, I have my cookie jar and I have my lists and I play the long game. So. Oh, so you're taking down. the high road on on the WTF card? Are you freaking yep. kidding me here? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Folks, I'm sorry you stayed tuned in for 50 minutes of an interview and we were all waiting for the climatic WTF card and it was anti-climatic. I don't remember. Who did I give it to four years ago? I think I probably gave it to NASCAR for something. Uh, I'd have I to go remember. back and listen. Yeah. I mean, you could have picked anything. You could have been, you could have picked, I mean, Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, I mean, you could have picked, um, yeah, but you know what, Don, like this, we're not, we're not solving cancer. We're not performing brain surgery. Like it's just <laughs> take it, taking it out there. Are you? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not that serious. Like it's okay. Like I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to focus on me and 
Okay, here I'll, I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna change it up just for you, just for you. I want you to give my listeners the one person on Twitter that you want them to go troll to the ends of the earth. <laughs> that should be the easiest answer ever. Yeah, but then who? But what? But what kind of person makes that? Does that make me? that I want people to go treat a troll badly for treating people badly. Wait a minute. We want to go treat a troll like a troll. Right. Well, that's that, what we're doing. Come on. Two, two rainbows, right. Girl Scout cookies, roses, and trolling. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. There All is right, ladies one, and gentlemen. There is Uh-oh. one that I have in mind, but I'm not going to do it. Oh. Nope. Golly, it doesn't matter. I guess the art of negotiation I have lost out on because I cannot get her to cave. Cannot. <laughs> Don, cannot. I, here's the here, listen, listen, listen. I don't listen, need Gina, to Gina, 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 Gina. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to do it publicly because I have resources and people in my corner that when the time comes to take care of these accounts, I have those resources. And I have the. That's what I'm talking about. Right. All right. I'll turn turn off the camera right now. I'll turn off the record button and then you and I'll talk. (laughs) I have all the Uh, information that I need of people who hide behind anonymous accounts. uh, And let's just say that, uh, you know, not everybody's anonymous. There's nothing anonymous about being anonymous in the social media world. I just want to know what's the, the, there's a day that I'm waiting for of when I call this person because I have their business phone number and I know their name and I know where they work. I want to know if they're going to answer because they've had a lot to say about me on social media. So Don't if I call, send. like, yeah, if I call them, you know, when the day comes, because like I said, I play the long game, then it'll be interesting if they're really ready to hash it out. <laughs> They'll be they'll be very empathetic at that point. Yeah, apologetic. It, it'll be something with an etic at the end of it. Idiotic, maybe. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> again, it doesn't have to be public. You know, take care of your business. You know, behind closed doors sometimes. Ah, uh, folks, Kelly Crandall, Ke- Kelly, tell everybody where they can follow you in the social media world so they don't get trolled. Oh Lord, I don't think people want to follow me after this. Um. Twitter is at Kelly Crandall. I was verified by the time you hear this episode. My verification will probably be gone because I'm not paying for Twitter blue, but you can find me on there. Uh, I do have a public Facebook page, Instagram, LinkedIn, the podcast, the Racing Riders podcast is on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere. Basically, you can find podcasts and uh, NASCAR 75 years is now available. So you can find it online. You can find it on bookstores. So yeah, I, I think I'm at the point where if you Google me, it's it's pretty easy to find what you're looking for. I had somebody like 10 years ago tell me that, and I was like, "What?" And they were like, "You didn't know? I Googled you." And I went, <laughs> "Oh my god, who wrote what?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Kelly, I cannot uh tell you how much I appreciate not one, but two afternoons out of your week as you, I am sure getting ready to head to Talladega for this weekend. 
Enjoy yourself. Again, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to chatting with you again in the near future. And uh, as always, I am a fan and a cheerleader of yours because we're out here doing what other people are not willing to do or able to do. So we will continue to carry the flag and the megaphone and down the road we will go. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Don. I appreciate you having me. I I, I hope this conversation was as good as the one that we had yesterday that nobody will ever hear. <laughs> I know, right? Which means that at some point we're going to have to have another one. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kelly. Kelly Crandall, folks, on the Racers and Rental Cars podcast. We are going to wrap up real quick. Thank you very much for sticking around for the long episode. Kelly is a wealth of knowledge and insight when it comes from the inside of NASCAR, the media center and driver perspective, if you will. And that's something that not all of us are privy to. So it was enjoyable to bring her on. That being said, it is mother scrubbing rant time. Folks, if you follow the podcast, Racing Rental Cars, I ask you to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to do everything you possibly can to crush quarter mile media. And this individual who likes to make derogatory comments about women as they move back and forth looking at Eric Enders. He always has something negative to say. Nothing is ever constructive. And I'm sorry, as a military guy, I can say it. He is a freaking idiot. Don't like it. Don't appreciate it. He obviously doesn't have a mom, doesn't have sisters, never had a significant other, whatever the case is, because he says stuff about people that should just simply not be allowed. I don't like it. Period. End of story. He's not going to show up at the racetrack and say those things. I can guarantee you that because I don't think there's a race team in the pits that wouldn't pay for his ticket to show up so they could just basically beat him up. So do yourself a favor, block him, report him the next time. I mean, I invited him to be on the podcast. He thinks he's all of that. Didn't even, did not even want to come on, said he could do a podcast on all by himself. Yeah, probably not, dude. You probably couldn't turn the monitor on. Nonetheless, I think he's a moron. You can let me know, send me messages, but I promise you this, I'm doing everything I possibly can to crush this guy after the comments that he's made about the Enders sisters and, and other female racers out there and what he says. He is a complete and utter moron. End of story. All right. So nothing really changed this week here at Racers and Rental Cars for YouTube. Give me some time. Give me some time. Last week was tough. You guys know that. I appreciate the comments uh, and reach outs from everybody. I, I do. I don't want to let that be lost. Um, took a couple of days, disconnected from the universe, and uh, didn't do much in here. So I apologize this weekend, maybe, maybe, don't know. But next week, it's Indy. This weekend's Talladega. Next weekend, four wides in Charlotte again. Oh, novelty race. Nonetheless, I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. 
and I will see you next week. Racing Rental Cars Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Voice America, Apple iTunes, and anywhere else that you think you may listen to us. Tell your friends, share, like, rate, review, subscribe, leave those comments. I appreciate the comments about wanting to do a business like Dirty Mo Media is doing and do it for drag racing. Going to look into that and work into it. We'll see how that works out. You guys have a great week. Thanks for sticking around. See ya. Let's put it